The big news in real estate this week was the Bank of Canada increasing its prime lending rate a quarter point. It's the first increase since 2018. Low interest rates have played a big part in fueling the wild real estate markets all across this country. Many people think that the higher rates will help to cool down the real estate markets, but is a quarter point increase enough? Will a quarter point make a difference at all? I'm Desmond Brown, and today on Sold in the Six, we'll look deeper into what this cut in the prime lending rate will mean to home buyers. Jason Georgiopoulos is a mortgage agent with Dominion Lending and a good friend of this podcast, Sold in the Six. So Jason, we've been hearing for a long time that the Bank of Canada was going to increase the rate, and they finally did it this week. So let's just get straight to it. Is this increase going to make it more affordable for someone to buy a house? Well, interest rates going up are, are never a great thing if you're a prospective home buyer. At the same time, as you mentioned, this was, this was uh, foreshadowed for a long time. It's, uh, we've been at emergency interest rates for, for over two years now. So mm-hmm. uh, the fact that it went up a quarter point... It, Definitely wasn't, uh, it, it's not something that came out of the blue. Um, the real effect to your average home buyer, you know, if you have a fixed rate mortgage, there's nothing. Um, in fact, if you have most variable rate mortgages, you won't actually affect it. Um, your, your day-to-day won't be affected because the payments uh, are actually set when you take the variable rate mortgage. And the only thing that changes is the proportion that's going from principal to interest. So your actual monthly payment usually won't change. Now, some people who have uh, variable rate mortgages, um, uh, probably about 20% of them, you actually get a payment change. But all it means is on average, for every 100000 that you borrow, your payment went up $12 a month. Now, of course, you know, it's something, it's not, uh, it's not nothing. But um, even if you have a half a million dollar mortgage, that the quarter point jump from the Bank of Canada ends up being about $60 a month uh, to you. 60 bucks a month. Okay. Yeah. So cut, cut, cut back on your Starbucks coffees. Um, on a daily basis, and that more than makes up that sixty bucks a month, right? Not, yeah, not the end of the world, especially when you consider that um, realistically, you know, a variable rate mortgage right now you're probably under two percent still, mm-hmm. and those are still incredibly historic low rates. Um, so, you know, it, it, I guess it would be you know difficult if that was what you were counting on, but anybody that took a mortgage in the last few years. Um, should have probably been advised that you know paying one and a half percent or or even less isn't something that is probably going to be you know something you can rely on in the over the next five years. Again, these were emergency rates during the pandemic to kind of um, get the economy going and making sure that uh, you know the housing market was was still okay and and that that people could afford their payments. Um, so not necessarily something that you know you're budgeting around. Okay, so we're back to pre-pandemic rates then basically by that with that quarter point increase are very close to it right absolutely um the we're we're probably still a little bit under on the variable side um Mm -hmm. you know again uh you're probably looking now with that quarter point increase of a variable rate around you know somewhere between 1.7 and 1.9 percent depending on which institution you're dealing with the fixed rates uh 
have already probably in over the last three or four months have already kind of crept up Mm -hmm. to that 3% range, which really, if you kind of look at things over the last five years, that's, that's generally the interest rate that we've had that, that, you know, that you can kind of count on as a fixed rate. You know, sometimes it's a, you know, 2.89, other times it's Mm 3.19, but it's in and around that, that, that 3% mark. So absolutely that is, is a pre-pandemic rate. Yeah. I I looked at the TD rate this morning and the three-year rate is 3.09 and the five-year rate is 3.24. the bank will be a little bit flexible with that rate as well, right? Uh, sometimes they'll even chop that down a little bit um, for for somebody who has a really good, you know, strong personal covenant. Correct? Absolutely. The again, it always makes uh, sense to negotiate uh, the you know what what a bank is putting on a website or uh, out there in, in terms of advertising is not always the be- the best that they can do. Um, there's still a good spread too between. Um, you know, a first-time home buyer mm-hmm. mortgage insured rate versus someone that's getting a, a mortgage that's uninsured where the CMHC is not involved. We still have lenders right now that are offering, you know, 2.79, for example, on a five-year fixed rate if you were taking a mortgage that was uh, CMHC insured um, versus uh, if you're going with an uninsured mortgage where, you know, you have a 30-year amortization Maybe you're looking to refinance, then you're you're probably taking above three percent mark. Okay, so yeah, we see these advertisements all the time for very very low interest rates, and they usually are for those insured mortgages. Just you know, I know this, I I know this stuff because I'm in the business. But somebody listening may not understand about the CMHC insurance and when you can have it and when you can't. So just quickly, you know, explain that you know that you have to have. Um, at least 20% down to have a conventional mortgage and anything under 20% down uh, has to be insured. So just quickly, just, just, let's just run over that quickly for us, Jason. Sure. When you're purchasing a property and you have under 20% down payment, the mortgage by law has to be insured by CMHC. Now, there are limits on this insurance. Um, if the property value is over a million dollars, or if you're looking for 30-year amortization, you cannot get CMHC insurance. Uh-huh. So usually we consider it now a, a type of uh, insurance that would apply to mostly a first-time homebuyer situation. Now, you don't have to be a first-time homebuyer to get it, but you have to be purchasing for under a million and again, having under 20%. When you do that, the bank will not lend you money unless it is CMHC insured. Um, you pay an insurance premium. It's a one-time fee that gets added to the actual mortgage amount. Um, but the advantage is, one, you can purchase a property with less down. Um, you know, under 500000 you can even go as low as 5% down. Uh, over 500000 you have to put 5% down on the first five hundred, and then uh, 10% on the portion above uh, that 500,000 mark. Right, yeah. But in general, you have a lower down payment threshold. Um, um, but two, because the loan itself is guaranteed uh, effectively by the government of Canada, who, who backs the insurers, um, the lender is going to give you a lower interest rate because there's no real risk to the lender. If you ever defaulted on that mortgage, the um, the insurer... The insurance kicks in. There exactly, you go. Exactly. So because the bank knows that there's no real risk to them, their cost of funds is lower and they translate that to a lower rate to you. So usually you're getting probably point two to 0.4% lower on your uh, mortgage interest rate because you're paying for this insurance. But 
the insurance fee isn't any it's not small it's uh, it's a good chunk of change that you have to pay you know for example on a a $750,000 mortgage uh with you know let's say 10% down you're paying 3% you know just over 3% of the actual mortgage amount as a one time fee which you know uh 7500 times times 3 you know you're you're 225 um you know it's it's over $20,000 that gets added to it mm-hmm. now for a lot of people, it just, you know, that's a monthly payment. It's, oh, my monthly payment's $20 higher. It's not, uh, you know, a, a huge deal. At the same time, this is money that you have to pay. So it's something you want to keep in mind, um, you know, when you're working out uh, the cost to purchase a home. If you're under that million-dollar mark and you're putting less than 20% down. Okay. And the other thing, like you said, you have to pay it. The one thing about CMHC insured mortgages is that you don't have to come up with that big chunk of cash it is added to the mortgage and then it's added to your payment and amortized over the term of the mortgage. So that's just, you know, if you're out there thinking about, you know, that you're going to get into a CMHC mortgage, don't worry about having to come up with that big lump sum of money. Absolutely. Um, one thing that uh, people always ask is, should I wait and save up my 20% to avoid that CMHC insurance fee, especially when you're looking to kind of first uh, get your feet into the market. And I, I always say, you know, it, it's great and it's all well and good to save that CMHC insurance fee. But you always have to consider the the, uh, the speed at which the market moves. Um, you know, over the last 15, 20 years, uh, it hasn't benefited you to if it if it meant three or four years of savings versus jumping in the market. Um, it's been better to pay that CMHC insurance fee and get in immediately. And that way, any appreciation on the property is in your pocket rather than, uh, you know, adding to the cost of the, the property that you're going to purchase. So exactly, you know, exactly. get in now uh, and pay a, a ten or $20,000 insurance fee. Uh, and now any appreciation on that property is yours versus waiting two to three years to save up that 20%, um, even if you can do it in, in, in two or three years. And then all of a sudden that property that you wanted to buy two or three years ago, that was, let's say, six or 700000 might now be 800000 So yeah. Um, of course, you know, no one has a crystal ball and and, and uh, property prices don't always go up. But it has been the case in Ontario and in Toronto that um, over the last 20 years, property prices pretty much have steadily gone up and uh, waiting to try to save to avoid maybe a, a fifteen or $20,000 insurance fee has cost people because that property has appreciated more than that in, in, in the time that it took to save over 20%. Yeah, you know, it's also cost people who said, wow, I'm going to cash in on the market, sell, and I'll buy when the market crashes. And I know a number of people that just can't get back into the market right now who maybe sold, you know, a year ago or even two years ago. So anyway, you know, like I said, we don't have crystal balls. The other thing to keep in mind here with CMHC is that 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 threshold of $1 million and any property value over a million, you don't qualify for CMHC insurance. So you have to have at least 20% down. And that seems to be the case in a market like Toronto, where our average price is over a million. So just throw all that CMHC stuff out the window when it comes to the average price in the city of Toronto, you're going to need 20% down. And that's when if you don't have the money Let's just hope your parents like you <laughs> and they can give you a couple of bucks to, to bring that uh, down payment up to 
Absolutely. It, it was a very common thing, I, I would say, to have a CMHC insured mortgage. Um, it is becoming less and less. It, it, it's now really applying mostly to the condo market mm-hmm. and uh, and properties on the outskirts of Toronto. Because as you mentioned, the moment that price goes from 999999 to 1 million, there's no option for CMHC insured. CMHC insurance, you're looking at 20% down. Uh, and that's across the board. This doesn't matter which lender you go to. These, this is a government of Canada rule. There are talks about increasing that limit to 1.25 million. But as of yet, we are looking at a million dollars is the is the threshold before the insurance is no longer available. And now you need 20% down um, as a minimum to purchase a property. Okay, so a quarter point increase really isn't going to matter much, but if you're out there looking for a home, whether it's your first home, second home, third home, or an investment property, get in touch with Jason. He'll get you pre-qualified and get you the best rates available. Jason can be reached at jasong at dominionlending.ca. I've had... um, properties listed under a million and multiple offers come in on them. And I've had one situation where there were two offers for $999,999. And uh, we had to choose between uh, one of those two. Same price, but we looked at the higher deposit really helped. We looked at the closing date and we looked at if the offer was an actual uh, firm offer with no conditions or conditional. So Anyway, keep that in mind out there for those of you who don't quite have the 20% down. Um, it may not be Toronto, but you can probably get, well, maybe you can get a condo for under a million or somewhere in the outskirts of Toronto. Now, Jason, getting back to um, the interest rates. So we usually send people to the mortgage people like you to get pre-qualified, to get that pre-approval. So let's talk about that. Like if the mortgage rates were to start jumping up, Let's talk about the pre-approval process and how purchasers are protected with the rate that you approve them at and for how long. Sure. Most lenders right now can hold an interest rate for you for 120 days. Now, again, this isn't you have 120 days to purchase a property. This is at the time that you were pre-approved, you've been guaranteed a rate and you need to close within 120 days. So it's an important distinction to make. But this is a fixed rate. This is usually, you know, what the most standard uh, offering from banks is a five-year fixed rate. So again, these are the rates that have already kind of crept up over the last few months. Um, and, And again, are in and around that 3% mark. So once your um, your credit is checked, you've, you've provided income confirmation, a bank will say, if you purchase within the next 120 days, this is the rate you'll get, which hasn't really been a huge issue um, over the last, let's say, you know, five to 10 years, because in general, we've had a, a downward trend in interest rates. It's been uh, just a few times where we've seen kind of interest rates spike up. But now we're in a situation where absolutely it's a good idea to go through that process and get that rate locked in. One, so that you can budget around something. So you know, hey, if I purchased this property for, you know, 700,000, 1.2 million, 1.7 million, whatever budget 
uh, whatever range uh, you are in, um, that you know that this is what the monthly payment I can look at uh, is and kind of count on that and be able to count on that for five years. We know now from all the guidance that we've been given from the Bank of Canada that the prime rate will be ticking up. And in general, um, though the variable rates and the fixed rates do move independently, there is a correlation. Rates going up in general is, means rates going up on both sides. Um, again, uh, the fixed rates weren't affected yes by yesterday's increase in the in the prime rate or um, because it had already moved up over the over the next few months that doesn't mean that rates increasing um, in in general will, will there won't be a correlation so if the bank does tick up prime another quarter point or another half a percent this year you'll probably see uh, some movement in the fixed rates as well yeah. Yeah, but I think that, you know, that's what a lot of people are anticipating. Just again, back on the pre-approval and the commitments there on the pre-approval or the pre-approved rate. Let's say somebody is committed for 3% for, you know, a five-year rate. Just to be clear, if the rate goes up, you are still committed for that 3% for that 120 days. But if the rate goes down, you get the lower rate. So you get the best the best of both worlds in that respect. Absolutely, it's 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 something to protect you from rising interest rates, but it's not by any means some sort of commitment on your part to lock in at a higher rate if the market forces show that uh, better rates are available. Um, also, it's something to kind of keep in mind is that the rate that a bank will guarantee you for 120 days is usually slightly higher than the best rate that the bank has to offer on any particular day. Mm. We always like to say that that is, um, you know, kind of a worst case scenario to lock into that rate. And, and if rates really, really increase, that is the rate you're going to get. But um, when the best time to negotiate a mortgage is when you actually have a closing date and a real property in hand and say, and you can go to a bank and say, this is a real deal. Um, a lot of the times the bank will offer you much better than their pre-approval rate oh, that's once great. they know that there's an actual real deal and a real closing date attached to it. And, that for, and the reason for that is the bank has to hedge. Um, they, you know, when they offer you money and say, okay, so you know, this money is good for the next 120 days. There, there's cost associated with that because regardless of what interest rates do, the bank has to be able to offer you that. Um, once you have an actual real deal on the table for the bank, they can actually look at what money markets are doing and, and really sharpen their pencil in terms of being aggressive on what they can offer you. So we always say that a, the pre-approval makes absolute sense, but that's not the rate you necessarily will get unless rates increase. We always look at the day that, you know, you you actually bring a real deal to the bank. And it's something that we do as mortgage brokers. We shop around on your behalf when we have that real deal in hand and say, yes, this is the pre-approval rate you offered. But let's look at the actual state of the markets today and see if we can do any better. And a lot of the times we can if there hasn't been a lot of movement between the time that you took that pre-approval and the, the current conditions. Yeah. Okay. So, Jason... I deal with a lot of clients who I send to people like you for pre-approvals. You deal with a lot of agents and a lot of individuals who come to you for pre-approvals. How long is that list that you have right now for pre-approvals? Because I know there are, there are a lot of frustrated people out there who really want to buy, whether they want to buy for the first time or whether they want to move up you know, into a larger house. 
it's a pretty long list as to be honest with you a yeah. lot of people have planned on uh, again you know the move up purchase or even getting into the market um, but we've seen especially over the last few months a lot of frustrated buyers out there who continue to make offers on properties who want to get into the market but uh, because of the lack of inventory out there and, and and just the state of the market in Toronto right now haven't been able to get in so we do have a lot of rates hold held for people uh, you know based on uh, market conditions again but unfortunately, um, you know, just based on what we've seen in the marketplace right now, uh, you know, you still have to find that magic number mm-hmm. uh, to get that property. And that's been the difficulty right now, even with these with lower interest rates it hasn't been a question of not qualifying for the mortgage. It's been we need to find that right property and we have to be the winning bidders uh, when it comes down to that. So the, the list of pre-approvals is quite long. And, and that's why I actually think that there's there's a lot of strength in this market. I know. In the last little bit, we've probably seen a little bit of a slowdown, some buyer fatigue. Um, and, and I think a lot of that is people that have put in uh, several offers on properties that that haven't been successful and are saying, you know what, it's just too crazy out there. We want to maybe mm-hmm. take a breather and uh, and see where we're at and, and see what things see what happens in the spring market if there's more inventory. Um, because, you know, I unfortunately, I have. People that have been, uh, you know, shopping with me for, you know, six months or a year that, uh, you know, again, the mortgage is set and they're ready to go and uh, they just uh, can't find that that, that right property or or at the right price to get into the market. Okay. And, you know, I think it's really, really interesting to get that perspective from you because, you know, as a real estate agent, I'm out here on the front lines with buying and selling and so on. And sometimes my, my view gets a little bit warped. On what's going on but you you actually deal with a lot of agents as well so i mean if you're starting to see you know that fatigue as well through your agents uh, that you deal with then yeah i think that's a little bit more realistic than, than what i see out here as just one person you know yeah the um I do deal with a, a lot of different agents and, and, and a lot of different uh, clients at, at, at any given point. And uh, I can tell you last week, uh, just anecdotally, I had three people that I know have been shopping for uh, probably four to six months now for that move up property. And um, they all came back to me and asked for quotes in terms of the, the mortgage that we pre-approved them for, uh, how that would translate to renovating their existing property. Ah. Um you know, and and now they're looking at you know an, an addition of a hundred to two hundred thousand to make where they're currently at the place that they they might have normally moved up into um, because they haven't been successful in in the resale market on that on that upgrade uh, in terms of uh, the home that they want. They're looking at turning the place that they have into something that's more livable for the long term uh, because they're a little bit frustrated and uh, you know mm-hmm. the prices have been aggressively increasing uh you know you know more than most uh over the last few months um and it it, you know when you look at okay to you know when you think that it's only a few hundred thousand upgrade our house um sorry uh, you know to to buy a new house well that's a lot more uh palatable than you know it might be half a million or a million to get to that next jump and when it becomes those prices you start looking at what could I do with that money on my existing property rather than purchasing a new property. Uh, you know, a half a million dollars in renovation funds becomes a, a sizable amount on, on really changing the space that you're in. Yeah, it sure does. And I think, you know, with that, that attitude about not wanting to move and renovate, 
has actually led to the lack of supply that we have in this market. Because when you take a look at selling, we have the double land transfer tax here in Toronto. Um, so if you're buying a house for a million and a half, right away, that's $50,000 in land transfer tax, 25 to the province, 25 to the city. Then you have, for your existing house, you have to pay commission. And then you've got moving costs, and then you have legal fees. On top of that, most people that move into that next house always do some sort of renovation. So the cost to move can be anywhere, you know, between a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars easy, depending on the price range you're in. So these are some of the things that I think that the, uh, you know, the general public doesn't realize that has led to our lack of supply for housing. And meanwhile, what we're, you know, what we're doing is looking for band-aids along the way. You know, the you know the different levels of government are trying to come up with solutions to get more affordable housing for starters and just a lot you know a lot more supply out there for people who want to move up so that that's one of the biggest frustrating or one of the most frustrating things that we're facing out here on a daily basis as i can tell you um just again it's 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 what i've witnessed when i first got into the industry you know 15 20 years ago uh it was a very common thing for you to sell your property and purchase a new property to upgrade more and more because of the the lack of supply um, and the the strength of the, the real estate market in general we see clients um, clients approach me and say we want to keep our existing property and rent it out because it's been such an investment we just want to take the equity out of that and use that as a down payment to yeah. purchase the new property so it used to be a one for one uh, you know I'm selling my property supply is uh, you know becoming available to a new purchaser. And then I'm closing on another property. But anytime someone says I'm choosing to keep my property and I'm going to refinance it and rent it out, which has been a sound business decision, it's not necessarily no more supplies not becoming available other than into the rental market. And we see that again and again because people have these massive equity gains in their property. And rather than selling and moving up, they just used to take advantage of that and refinance their existing property. So nothing actually hits the market uh, in terms of a property available for that first-time home buyer because the move-up buyer is just refinancing the property that they're in to take out a down payment to buy a new property. So there's no, and that's been a real change that I've seen, uh, especially over the last ten years, um, uh, which which never really happened yeah. before. It, it was I'm selling the family home and we're moving to another family home, and and there was a property available for someone else to buy. More and more often, it's. How much money can I take out of the family home to buy the new place? Yeah, we're going to rent it out. So there's a lot of different factors in Toronto that that have have caused um, you know the situation that we're in in terms of the lack of supply. But that is you know a, something that I've seen kind of in a, in terms of a paradigm shift where real estate has you know everybody. Uh, who's ever sold real estate in the last 10 or 20 years wishes they had held on to it. Yeah. And more and more often, we see people now saying, I am going to hold on to it. And I'm, I, if there's a way to make this work without selling, I'm going to look at that option first. And why not? And there have been some media outlets that have been pointing the finger at these people saying, oh, you've refinanced your houses and now you're buying you know, investment properties and you're, that, that means that the poor first-time buyers can't get into the market. But I always say, like, why can't the people who have made the investment, who have taken the risk years ago, 
be able to benefit from it. It's it's all you know. It's all a risk, and it always is. Just it just so happens that the market has gone very very well over the last you know fifteen years. But uh, you can't be blaming the individual investor, you know, for doing well. For God's sake, absolutely not. It's it's in people's you know best interest to you know look at the at the market and the realities of the situation they're living in and make the best decisions accordingly. And uh, you know, for better or worse, this is. The system that we have right now, and there's again, we could get it. There's a whole other podcast could be all the government factors that mm-hmm. have led to this, and and you know, quantitative easing for lower interest rates. But uh, this, I don't think you know anyone's going to get ahead by stamping their feet and and being upset about the situation. You just have to look at this is the reality of the property market in, in Canada and in Toronto and in Ontario specifically and look at long-term fundamentals and think, well, you know, what, what is on the horizon that would change this? And I don't see anything that will. Uh, interest rates, again, um, are back to pre-pandemic levels and I don't see that dropping uh, demand. And the government has actually uh, come, ba- come back and, and said, we want to be really aggressive with immigration mm-hmm. numbers and bringing more people in. So you're bringing more people in and there hasn't been a huge in- increase in supply. And long term, though, we might have dips and, and uh, slowdowns. Uh, you have to look at these kind of market fundamentals and say, this is a very healthy uh, system in which to buy in because you have more and more demand coming in uh, and uh, only a, a certain amount of supply. And I don't see uh, a lot, though there's a lot of talk about it. I don't see any aggressive plan. Yeah, exactly. Actions being taken to increase that supply. Uh, you know, everybody wants to say we're going to build X amount of homes over the next few years, but uh, you know, you don't. These aren't things that you snap your fingers and and overnight there's a million new homes. It takes years and years and years. And when you're increasing the population and and uh, you know people are having kids and uh, people are getting older, uh, the, there's no demand destruction here. There is incredible amount of of demand. So again, I, I'd love to see a slowdown. I'd love to see prices only increasing. By a few percent, so we would love can, that too. I <laughs> could get into the market, uh, but I, I I don't see it happening on the long term because of just how much demand there is for for places to live in uh, in, in in nice areas in in the province of Ontario. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jason, we're just about to wrap up here. Let's go back to the interest rates again. Mm-hmm. What type of prime lending rate would we have to see that would even have an effect on balancing our real estate market? Over the last, uh, I'm going to say five to 10 years, uh, a a five-year fixed rate just under 3% or just over 3%, well, that's what's led us to where we're at right now. So that shows that Mm -hmm. the the average buyer is very, very comfortable with that level of interest rate. And and that's, that's created the situation that we're in right now and and the uh, price escalation that we've seen. I would have to say that you're probably having to look at a full percentage point above that before we have people actually working it into their calculations and thinking twice about maybe putting in that higher offer. A full other percent, um, you know, so let's say a rate today is, you know, 3.2% for a five-year fixed rate. We have not seen a rate of 4.2% in the last 10 years. 
That would, uh, I think, give some people pause who might be aggressively bidding on properties right now. Yep, yep. Um, because that, you know, it, it, it doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, people are borrowing large sums of money. And uh, on a million dollar mortgage, that extra percent is an extra 10000 um, a year. Um, in, in interest. In interest. And, and that, I think, would give people pause because they're already pretty stretched at that 3% mark. Um, I think that, that that's what it would take. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see that happening anytime soon. But I think at that point, people would start reevaluating their budgets and really looking as is this something that that makes sense at this point yeah so there you go so for all of you out there who were were thinking that you know an increase in interest rates is going to lead to more balance in our market immediately it ain't gonna happen and uh, unfortunately it's not and i would love to see a more balanced market i really would um, and a lot of my, my colleagues would as well, but you know, just, just to add to that, I don't think it would be a situation where now, um, it's a difference between now people don't qualify because, because of the stress test, people are already qualified at a rate of five and a quarter percent. Uh-huh. That's a good point. So even an increase in interest rates to that level, just it, that's on paper in terms of what you're actually going to be affording every day. But when you look at qualification rates, we're already qualifying for people at a rate that's much higher than that. So mm-hmm. again, I don't think it would be a, an issue of if rates go up at that point where people are no longer qualifying. Um, but I do think it would give people a little bit of pause between you know taking on some of the larger mortgages that we see. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so for all of you would-be buyers out there, whether you're first-timers or want to move up, just be patient. Just be patient. I know we've been saying this for a long time, but um, our January and February here in Toronto has been crazy. We haven't had a lot of product on the market. Uh, the spring market, the traditional spring market is on its way. We're starting to already see more properties come on the market. For you sellers, don't worry. The prices are not going to go down. But for the buyers, you're not going to be seeing 10 offers on properties anymore uh, as we get more and more product on the market. You're going to see you know, maybe three or four offers, but at least it's going to give you a chance. So hang in there. Jason, thank you very much for joining us again. And um, All the best out there in the mortgage world. My pleasure, Des. Thanks for having me. And that's our latest episode of Sold in the Six. Now you know everything you need to know about mortgages. I'd like to thank my producers, Podcast That Pop, Doug and Steve. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and you'll start getting these episodes automatically. And please feel free to send it on to a friend. If you need to get in touch with me, you can email me at des at desmondbrown.ca. You can also check out my website, inthesixrealestate.com. And you can also follow me on all of the social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Desmond Brown.